So it's my privilege to preach to you this morning, and it's the last time the kids will be in. Uh, next week we get back to normal with our program for the children, but I'm going to be sharing again out of 1 Corinthians 15. So if you'd just like to turn there, please, and uh, get your Bibles ready, because we say we people of the Word this morning, we're going to do a little exercise in the Word, all of us together, all right? Uh, as a renewal of our... Commitment to be a radically, biblically-based people, all right? A scripture-saturated people. We're going to study the Word together this morning. And I've called this message simply Grace to You, Grace with You. And you're going to get to see why I've called it that. Um, and really, I'd just like to share some more thoughts this morning. For those of you that were here last week, I had a look at the first portion of 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. And I had a look at that verse in particular, three little things, what our church was birthed in 14 years ago, the movement that we were part of, what that meant to us, that's part of our history. And then I took a brief look at the last five years and what what we've landed on of of great importance as a local church, and I talked about the centrality of the gospel. I talked about understanding the message of the Son, which is a, a message of no condemnation for us that are in Christ Jesus, the most beautiful verse out of Romans. And then I had looked thirdly and said, well, what does that mean practically for you and I? How can we learn to preach the gospel to ourselves? Because I said to you, I don't know about you, but for me, the space between my ears is the most difficult part. The mind is the most difficult part to control. And I know that I'm free in Christ. Don't you know that? Well, I talked about Paul saying, my gospel, uh, the gospel, the eternal truth of, of the gospel, my gospel, that personal well of salvation, and our gospel together, what we get to do together. I understand the eternal truth of the gospel very clearly. But sometimes my gospel, in my head, I need to remind myself of the gospel in my head every day, isn't it? Martin Luther said, I beat the gospel into my own head before I try and beat it into anyone else's head. What was he trying to say? For myself, I need to walk free. I need to be convinced of the goodness and the kindness of God to myself so I can share it with others. And I spent time speaking about that last week. And now I want to focus on the second half of the chapter uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So, Father, I want to thank You for Your Word, and I want to thank You that You want to teach us and shape our thinking this morning, refresh our hearts, renew our minds, and You want to do that by the power of Your Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that You would come and minister to every single person this morning. Uh, thank you for words of people and words of men, but above all, we want your word in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd come and you make this real to our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've said to you before, I'm very grateful for other people that have spoken into my life and that I've learned from in terms of study and reading. Uh, John Stott, Michael Eaton, Arthur Kendall, Bill Johnson, many others. And this morning, I want to, I want to particular... Um, this kind of, I learned this from John Piper. John Piper is an amazing teacher, man who lives in Michigan. He, he's a doctor by, by training, but he's been leading a church for many, many years. And uh, I was doing a little study in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'd, look, I'd like to 
point you to something that I learned from him this morning. We're going to look at all 13 of Paul's letters. All right? Paul wrote 13 letters to the New Testament church. We're going to start at the last one. So if you want to find in your Bible Philemon, please turn there. If you've got an uh, uh, um, iPad, turn to Philemon. And we're going to read the last couple of verses of each book and the first couple of verses of each book. And we're going to see something this morning. There are 26 blessings that Paul speaks over the churches that he ministers into. And I believe God wants to say something to us as a local church out of these 26 things. So bear with me. It's only going to take a couple of minutes, but we are going to look at all of those scriptures together. All right? And so depending on your translation, whatever you've got might be slightly different to what I'm going to read to you this morning. But there are 13 blessings in these 13 books at the beginning and the end of each book. There are 13 blessings of grace that Paul speaks. Every time he writes a letter, he starts with a blessing of grace and he finishes with a blessing of grace. It's something like this. Grace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. And something like this he concludes with, grace be with you. And so let's start then at Philemon, uh, the last of Paul's 13 letters. And um, verse 25 of the last chapter should say something like this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Does your translation say something like that? Go to the, then to the beginning. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? First verse of uh, uh, Philemon and the, uh, the last verses of Philemon. Turn then to Titus, please. You just go backwards. The next book. Chapter 3, verse 15 should be the last verse. It says, Grace be with you all. Alright? Go to then the beginning of Titus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 4, And to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Alright? He says that in the introduction of the letter. Go then uh, to the next book, which is 2 Timothy. And while you're finding that, um, just notice there, there's no phrase of to you or with you. Uh, and when we read Timothy, you'll see it's the same. And so you can take the blessing and, and just compress it so that it reads, Paul, to Titus, grace. You could compress it like that. Or, grace to Titus, from God, through Paul. You get what I'm saying? If you just take out those little... So let's look at 2 Timothy, uh, verse 22 of chapter 4. He says something, it will be something similar to what I'm going to say now. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. That's how it concludes 2 Timothy. And it begins 2 Timothy in verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promises, the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, we can comp compress that simply to read. To Timothy, grace from God through Paul. All right? Hang in there with me. 1 Timothy, verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 21. The last phrase simply says, grace be with you. Turn the beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who has our hope, to Timothy, my true child, it says of Titus a similar thing, my true child in the face, in the face, in the faith, and what does he say? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord to Timothy. Grace, we can summarize it again, grace from God through Paul. And if you want to just, I'll go quickly now, I'll just read off, but they're all very, very similar. If you go to 2 Thessalonians verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it simply says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. At the beginning, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Further back, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 28, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The beginning of the book, chapter 1 verse 1, Paul and Salvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. <laughs> Are you getting it? <laughs> Colossians 4.18 Ah, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Beginning of the book, Colossians 1.2 To the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossia, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Philippians 4.23 The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians 1 verse 2 Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.24 Going backwards. Grace to be with all those, grace to all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Beginning of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2 Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Same in Galatians, Galatians 6.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit, amen. Beginning of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same in 2 Corinthians, it's the same in 1 Corinthians, it's the same in Romans, end of Romans, Romans 16, verse 20, the Lord of uh, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then, finally, it's the beginning of Romans. Chapter 1, verse 7. To all those who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. My point is extremely simple this morning. And uh, I trust the repetition didn't um, get to you so much, but uh, too, too much. But grace was a big deal to Paul. <laughs> it was a big deal to Paul. The gospel of God's kindness was a big deal to Paul. He started every letter with a blessing of God's kindness over the churches, and he finished every letter saying, the spirit of grace be with you. Well, what can we learn from this? Well, I believe it's a trumpet call for the church. <laughs> I believe it's a trumpet call for us that the centrality of our message as Christians is simply the grace and kindness of God to a lost and broken world. That's the message we have to proclaim. You can see in all those blessings, the only thing that is common is this word grace. Some have mercy. Some have peace. Some say love, 
but every single one of them, those 26 blessings, has grace at the center. Every letter of Paul begins with it. Every letter of Paul ends with it. And it envelops all of his teaching in every single one of the letters. And so I want to encourage you as you live your life, and remember, this is not the thing that we are most concerned about. What we do here on a Sunday is the halftime of the football match. What really counts is how you and I live from Sunday to Saturday. That's what really counts. When we get together on Sunday, I've said this so many times, we are getting together to worship God, to be encouraged, to stir our hearts, to dream for what his, He wants us to dream, to see something of His kingdom come. So when we live from Sunday to Saturday, we are making a difference in our workplace. Wherever we are, we are being a light to the world. That's the big thing. Yes? And so I put it to you that you would that you and I, in all of our thinking about life, what is right at the center is the grace of God, as it was for Paul. The kindness of God and the mercy of God towards us and towards a lost and broken world. I want to say, secondly, grace is the common link. That's the first thing. Secondly, it's God's grace. (laughs) That's what Paul says. It's God's grace. We're talking about God's grace. Every blessing says grace to you, and peace from God the Father. This grace that I'm talking about this morning comes from God. And that might seem like an incredibly simple thing to say, but it's an incredibly profound thing to say. God, the grace of God flows directly from Him to us. It's given freely. There's no strings attached. There's no merit that can earn His grace. It's rich with meaning. Grace is the overflow of of God's total self-sufficiency. Do you understand what I mean by that? He's got no deficiencies. God doesn't need anything from us. He's completely self-sufficient. So we don't negotiate with God for some good that we can offer Him. All we have, all good that we have, is completely the grace of God towards us. It's His absolute mercy that we have anything good in our lives at all. And so this is why Paul says in Romans 11 verse 34, he says, Who knows the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? What's Paul trying to say? He's trying to say, we can't give anything to God. We don't give gifts to God so that he can repay us. All that we have, every gift that we have, is his already. It's His grace towards our life. He gives it freely. He doesn't barter with us. He doesn't buy and sell. He doesn't say, if you give me this, I'll give you that. He gives freely because He's completely self-sufficient and out of His great love, He just lavishes His goodness upon our lives. So when we say God's grace, we're saying that out of His goodness and His fullness, because He is God, because He's infinite, because He's self-sufficient, is self-existent, is the complete resource and sustainer of every good things, every good thing. When good, goodness comes from Him, it comes to us freely without reproach, simply because He loves us. Isn't that good news? And then, I want to say the third thing, which is the most important thing this morning. Paul is talking about future grace. What do I mean when I say future grace? This is simply what I mean. Um, When I say grace to you, when Paul says grace to you, what does he mean? He means 
Starting now, I'm trusting that God's going to do something good for you. Starting now. Grace be with you. When he concludes his letters, he means starting right now, the grace of God is going to bring something into your life. He's saying, he's, he's saying the grace that God has saved you with, the grace that God has called you with, that's wonderful and that's beautiful, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about future grace that is still to come. So the blessing that Paul is talking about when he says grace with you is for the future. Are you with me? May God do something gracious in your life starting right now. May God continue to be being gracious to you starting right now. It's got to do with your future. And so I want to say, God has future grace for you and for me. The, the grace that brought us to repentance and justification and the grace that has um, done all that in our life was a great work of grace. And we're all grateful for that. If you are saved this morning, be grateful for that amazing grace in your life. But Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about something new, something forward-looking, something that is still to come. Grace upon grace for you. When you leave this place, grace for you. I find that incredibly encouraging. Absolutely encouraging. And this is for me, I want to say, is the heart of the, what the Bible teaches about living as a Christian. If you want to live as a Christian with power, you have to believe in what I'm talking about now. You have to believe in future grace. You have to believe in that future grace. You have to be confident that God wants to lavish you with that grace. You have to be confident and bank on it and trust that it's going to satisfy you and your life. If we're going to know power in our lives, if we're going to know freedom in our lives, if we are know, we're going to know that freedom in our headspace that I was talking about last week, to radically obey what God calls us to do and to live differently from the world, we are going to need to understand and believe in future grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10 summarizes what Paul's saying. He's saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's His grace that saved me. And His grace towards me was not in vain, but I walked harder than any of them, yet it was not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Paul is talking about this grace that day by day, every moment of your life and your ministry, whatever it is, you are looking towards that grace to get you through the next thing that you need to get through. Are you with me? That's why he says, not I, but the grace of God. He's saying, every day is a fresh start and every day is a new future for me, for whatever the joy that is lies ahead of me, whatever the challenge that lies ahead of me, it's all covered by the future grace of God in my life. And that's why he, how he blesses the churches over and over and over again. Grace to you. So I want to say, ask this question, why does Paul begin and end his letters like that then? Well, I want to suggest this to you. This is what I think. I think it's because at the beginning of his letters... He realizes that the church is about to hear from him the apostolic word that God has given him, the authoritative word that God has given him. And so he's saying to this when he says grace to you, he's saying through the preaching of this word, through what you're reading, the grace of God is going to come to you through what I'm writing. 
And in, in a way, he's saying the channel of God's grace is through this word to you right now. And in fact, if you read Act, the book, book of Acts, it says in a number of times, it, the apostles called the teaching that was uh, summarized as the word of God's grace. That's how they summarize the word, Acts 14, Acts 20. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm recognizing that the grace of God is going to come to you this morning through the word. And as we read the word together, the grace of God comes to you. Yeah? And when he finishes the letter, he also realizes this, that the parchment is going to be rolled up. Remember, there were letters that were, they were being read to the church. They didn't have a Bible. So they would, they would um, wrap the parchment up and keep it in a safe place so someone else could read it on another day. And so when Paul is saying grace with you, what he's saying is the grace of God doesn't stop flowing when we don't read the Word, when we're not reading the Word anymore. The grace of God is always with you. Why? Because the person of Jesus, who is the grace of God, is always with you. And so he blesses them and he says, I realize too that when we wrap up the parchment and we put it in a safe place, you're going out into a hostile world that is, is, is not uh, open to the, the Lord Jesus, but he goes with you. The grace of God goes with you. Until we next get together and read the Word. 2 Thessalonians, we read together, chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, The Lord be with you. And what he means simply is that the grace of God goes with all of us by the Spirit of God. And this is incredibly exciting for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's incredibly exciting for me. And I want to leave this with you. This is my last thought this morning. That God has called us to be both a people of the Word and a people of the Spirit. It's one of the things that God has been saying over and over to us as a church. People of the Word and people of the Spirit. So the opening blessing of Paul, grace to you, is simply this. Grace to you through these inspired letters. So the Word of God says something to us. And the primary instrument of God's grace in your life and in my life is the Word of God. So, what does that mean? It means we give ourselves to the preaching of the Word the teaching of the Word, the singing of the Word, musicians, worship leaders, the praying of the Word when we minister to each other, the discussion of the Word, the meditation over the Word, the sharing of the Word on every level of our lives, what is primary if the, to us, if God's grace to us is free and sovereign, surely the central thing in the life of any Christian and any church is the Word of God, Jesus. And we want to be people of the Word. So I want to encourage you in your own life, be a person of the Word. I don't care how you do it, whether you read your Bible late at night, early in the morning, on the train, whether you listen to it on the headset or whatever, get it into your heart somehow. Yes? It's life to us. It is the only thing we have, is the Word of God. And then he concludes, Paul says, with a closing blessing, grace be with you. In other words, I say to you as a local church as well, after we have heard the Word being spoken, after we have sung the Word, after we've prayed the Word, after we've discussed the Word, after we've meditated upon the Word, what counts most is the presence of God. What counts most is the presence of God that empowers us, that confirms His 
His word in our spirits that brings the word to life, that illuminates the word, that brings faith to us so that we are, our deeds, the good things that we give ourselves to, are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we are not serving out of a legalistic sense of having to, but out of an overflow of worship. What does that? The Holy Spirit in us brings all of that to life. And the Spirit of God applies the grace of God in our lives on a daily basis. That's why Paul says, the Lord be with you. Grace be with you. You have all that you need for every day. Whatever you face, the grace of God is there for you. And it's there for me. And so I want to say to you, if we're going to be people of the Word, and we want to live with power, then we must be people of the Spirit. It has to be both. To have the ongoing power of the grace of God in our lives. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. Let us be as a church full of the Word, full of the Spirit. And then thirdly, I have some personal things that I felt God speak to me out of this little portion. And I want to share those with you this morning as I conclude for my life. What is, I feel like God is saying for me. Well, in another 10 years, I will be 60. Wow, isn't that a thought? I, I didn't think the day would come. This church will have be completely different. It will have grown in many ways, in every way, I hope. I trust we'll have seen hundreds of people saved, thousands of people saved. Maybe we won't even be in this building anymore. Maybe God will have done something and we'll be in a different place. I don't know. But certainly this facility will be paid off. Isn't that a good thought? In 10 years, this will be paid off. Uh, my sons will have families of their own. Helen and I will be by ourselves at home, older and grayer. <laughs> and all I can say is that the next 10 years are going to go by as fast as the last 14 have gone. Yes? And the truth is that churches don't normally call older men to be their minister. So it's likely that... Uh, then, you know, churches like energetic young ones in their 30s that have got energy. So it might be that I'm not called to minister anywhere else in another city or in another nation in the world. I might still be here. Might not, but I might still be here in another 10 years. And I felt God say this to me as I was preparing this message to preach this morning for, this, for my own life and this beautiful church and for the longer term future of this church. I felt God say to me and challenge me, and I want you to stand... Between those two words, grace to you and grace with you. Grace to you through the word and grace with you by the Holy Spirit. And I felt God said to me, I want you to stand humbly in the pulpit every Sunday, however many times you get to preach. Humble yourself under the word and do your best to open it week after week to my people, not your people my people, God's people, and be an agent of the grace of God. That's what I felt God, God say to me. And I felt God say this, if we together will receive His Word and it becomes part of us and it's transforming us, His promise to us simply is this, that future grace will be ours. That's His promise. If we humble ourselves, open our hearts, let the Word of God speak into us. Future grace will be 
us. And then I was very, very excited when I felt God say to this, if we hold to that, I felt God promised me this, the first 14 years of this church will simply become the prelude to the greater things that we've never dreamed of. Ah, that's an incredible promise. If we will hold to this, if we will live between the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and we will hold to those things with all of our hearts, and we will live with that certainty, future grace is ours, and all that we've been through over the last 14 years will simply be the introduction, the hors d'oeuvre, to the great things that God has for us. Man, that is an incredible promise. That's, that encourages me. I trust it encourages you because that's all I've got for you this morning. That's what I feel God said. That's what I feel like God said to me. And I want to invite you on a journey. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I'm inviting you on a journey and I'm asking you to come with us. <laughs> this journey of discovering future grace for our lives. Whatever lies ahead, forgetting what is behind, what does Paul say? I press on to what God has for me in the future. And I want to invite you to come on this journey with us. Forgetting what is behind. There's some good things in the past, other things in the past. Forgetting what is behind, I press on to take hold of what God has for me. Will you come on a journey to press into what God has for us? Our gospel. The eternal gospel my gospel, your gospel, our gospel, what God has for us, through us into this community, will you come on that journey? It's an invitation this morning. If you want to come, and there's no manipulation in my heart whatsoever, if you want to come, I want to ask you to stand, and together we're going to pray for the future of this church. Future of God's words, and God's Spirit. And I don't, I don't know how we're going to pray. We're just going to pray together, all right? Maybe you want to pray out loud. I'll lead us to start, and then we just pray. Let's pray for the future of this church, that we'll be people of the Word, people of the Spirit, that future grace would be ours. Amen? Let's just pray. I'm going to lead us, and then you call out whatever you'd like to pray. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful church. I want to thank you, Lord, for everything that you've blessed us with in the last 14 years. You have always been faithful to us. Lord, even when we have been faithless, even when we have doubted, even when we have been grumpy, you have still been kind to us. We want to say thank you this morning, Lord. We want to th say thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for the incredible instrument of grace that your word is to us every time it is preached, every time it is read, every time it is prayed, every time it is discussed, every time it is shared in any way, it's transforming us. We say thank you Jesus for your words. But at the same time, Father, we want to live with power. We want to live in a way that is empowered by the grace of God, that when we serve it, it's out of love and devotion, that there's not an ounce of obligation in our hearts, but that your Spirit would illuminate the Word of God in our hearts. God, we cry to you for the future of this church. We, we pray that it would enjoy much future grace because of its commitment to your Word and the Spirit. 
that you would supply every need that we have according to your riches in glory because of the future grace that we are certain of that you have for us. And whatever lies ahead, the good things, the brilliant things, I thank you, Lord, that they are going to be immeasurably more than we can hope or dream. And thank you for all that we've seen in the past. It's just that prelude. It's the hors d'oeuvre. It's just the introduction to the big thing that you have for us if we will hold to your word and your spirit. Burn that into our hearts, Father, I pray. That we might enjoy the fullness of what you have for us. And Lord, in our future, we know there will be some difficulties as well. But we know this, that greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. We have all that we need for life and godliness. And we pray that you transform our minds and renew our minds. That we would see from your perspective and not from ours. In Jesus' name.